Oh, that's going to burn. Yeah. All right. So, mics are hot, guys. Hot mic. Hot, hot mic. mic. Welcome to the first ever third <laughs> podcast that we've recorded. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing how you edit that around that one. For uh, Ride More Talk Less. <clears throat> we were lucky enough to get the all-knowing, ever-present Adam Alexi here for an interview. So we're going to sit down with him. He's going to talk about all things Ori Gun Run, Run to the Rock, Ride More Talk Less, and beyond. The man, the myth, the legend. Himself. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who this man is, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but well, welcome. Why the fuck would you even be here? <laughs> 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 as always uh, maybe they just like motorcycles Seth maybe they just like motorcycles I'm gay for motorcycles if you've been following our first episode previously when you go back and check out the other episodes right, like professionals we're recording out of order and posting later so uh, if this is your first episode or you listen to the other ones first either way we do a little game here where you get to guess exactly how many whiskey drinks we've had during the course of the show and right now, we all have one ounce of 92-proof whiskey in front of us. This is Smooth Ambler Contradiction this week. Powered by Ride More Talk Less. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, welcome to the show, man. It's, it's good to finally get you here. It's good to finally be here. Uh, for those of the listeners out there that don't know who you are yet, or maybe not have a full clue... Why don't you give us a little rundown of what it is that uh, that you do? Uh, I, I guess, am the uh, originator of the Oregon Run, uh, ride more, talk less, industry events, etc. This was all one giant great idea in my head at one point, and through a series of bad decisions, I decided to make it a reality. So you mentioned Oregon Run, which I think everybody knows about. Uh, I don't think that a lot of people out there know exactly what Ride More Talk Less is yet. Right. So Ride More Talk Less Industries uh, has taken a few forms, but it's a name that we've latched onto and have uh, stayed in love with. And Ride More Talk Less Industries is basically the events company that everything is umbrellaed under. Um, so Oregon Run, Run to the Rock, any other different types of events we want to do. Uh, etc etc but it's basically the parent company it's a it's it's yeah it's a parent company it's what all the money goes through and comes out of okay great so if people are looking for new things to do and then they shouldn't just pay attention to like the Ori gun run instagram maybe it'd be better for them to maybe right so this year we'll be rolling out the ride more talk less industries website we'll be rolling out the instagram uh account in its in its entirety um for the first time really this year and so you'll be able to get information on uh currently what we have the two events and it will also be the first place where you'll find out about anything new we are working on um and we do have a lot planned and in the works as you know so uh it's definitely going to be an account worth following over the next couple of years nice and off the top of your head do you uh do you remember what the links are for the ride more talk less website and the the Instagram. Yeah. So ride more, talk less industries. Uh, the website is rmtlindustries.com, And the Instagram is 
should be at RMTL Industries. Awesome. So, as normal, we usually like to talk about uh, how people got started riding motorcycles. It's usually where I like to start. Why don't you give us a little rundown on your first bike, how that all came about, or how the how the spark started for you? Sure. Um, I feel like I've told this story a lot lately. So, uh, it actually... Well, here, so... I won't force you to tell it again. If you if you don't, no, it's if fine. you're not in the mood, you can just refer no. them over to somebody else's podcast <laughs> yeah. where you took the time. Uh, if you, yeah, if you'd like to, <laughs> you can. Uh... You know, God forbid you waste your time doing it on our podcast. Yeah, fuck <laughs> us, right? No, yeah, you can uh, listen to this story on uh, American Roadrunner podcast uh, by our friend Bob Marshall, who was actually the first podcast I ever recorded for uh, after this last year's Oregon Run. Um, I believe I touch on it a little bit on Girl on a Moto podcast as well. Um, so yeah, so those are the places you can go to fact check what I am about to tell you uh, and make sure I'm keeping my story straight. Uh, I was not drinking during those, so it's maybe, maybe a little more accurate, but, um, no, I actually got into motorcycling really late. Uh, I was, Jesus, 20, when did I meet Jess? So I was probably about 24. 23 at the time shit if that's late i'm ancient <laughs> uh yeah i never grew up around motorcycles i'd see motorcycles as a kid they kind of stoked me out um uh, but it was just never around me it was never uh like a constant presence in my life uh by any means and one day my dad uh started getting really obsessed with american chopper on discovery channel uh like oddly obsessed like so my dad will watch reruns of Seinfeld and Cheers or whatever his favorite shows are, but those have all been long gone. And he was literally watching a new episode the day it came out and then watching the rerun of that episode like three or four more times in the week, um, which was weird for him. And one day uh, it was just him and my mom at home and he made a comment to her like, you know, I've always wanted to do that. And my mom was doing work and she looked up and was like, you want to build a motorcycle? <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 ride. I've always wanted to ride a motorcycle. Since I was a kid, I've always wanted a Harley Davidson. And at that point, they'd been married 25 years, and my mom had no clue. And uh, so we enrolled him in a motorcycle safety course, and then my mom was looking at the schedule, and it was basically like, happy Father's Day, go spend four days by yourself in a classroom. And uh, in Illinois... Um, Sorry for you Oregonians, but in Illinois, the class is only $20 to take the motorcycle safety course. Fuck me. Right? <laughs> the way it should be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I fucking wish. It's like 200 bucks here, isn't it? 250 I think. I don't know uh, if it's gone up. I took it, uh, my course, shit, six, uh, seven years ago now was 185 Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 250 now. Shit. Anyway, so you got to learn, or your dad got to learn on the cheap at least. Well, yeah, kind of. So I told my mom, since it was only 20 bucks, I'd be more than happy to go with him. I mean, at the time I had taught myself how to drive stick shift, like with friends and their cars. And it just seemed like, I don't know, at the time getting, I wasn't super mechanically inclined, but I was interested in being mechanically inclined. And I had this idea in my head that the more forms of transportation I knew how to drive, the better off I would be. I don't know if I'm maybe zombie apocalypse style, but anyways, um, so I was interested in just, um, learning to drive something else and keeping him, um, company. And then we got enrolled in the last class of the year in October 
And then he had a business meeting out of town come up for that weekend that he couldn't miss or rearrange. So uh, we ended up having to miss the class. So we enrolled at the Harley dealership in the area because they were just starting their Writer's Edge program. So it ended up costing us about 200 bucks a piece because it's more expensive through them. But it also guaranteed us spots in the very first class the next season. Well, wait, wait. Things are more expensive through Harley? <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe, right? That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have never paid $30 for a Bolt at a Harley dealership. So, yeah. So, we went through the dealership, and uh, the the very first, I think it was May, uh, we definitely got rained on a little bit one day, but not much. And then I do remember the next class the next weekend got fucking dumped on, like, their entire time out on the course i mean they would come in from lunch breaks and just drown rats it was crazy and so uh yeah so we took the course and i really enjoyed it and we bought a 883 custom sportster and so we shared that for a while and we would be like racing each other home after work uh we lived about we worked about equidistance from our own house and the rule was first one to get a leg over the machine got first ride and since we were getting off around 5 first leg over the machine was about 5:15 and generally the first rider would come home around 10:30 or 11 o'clock at night um so i spent most of my very beginning of my riding career riding in the dark <laughs> around town just to get some hours in and some time in um and then shortly after that, we went to a demo day and we rode bigger Harleys, a uh, soft tail and a road king. I loved the soft tail. My dad loved the road king. He had money. I had none. So he decided our next bike would be a road king. We were supposed to trade the Sportster in, but the day uh, the road king got delivered, I came home to find the Sportster still there. And him and my mother had done the math and realized for what little, like what the trade in on the Sportster, like how little it would take off a monthly payment wasn't worth the fact that half the time he got home I would be on the bike first so uh yeah and that was it then we would get home every day after work and we would ride together and we'd be gone till 10 or 11 o'clock and then Saturdays Sundays would come around and we'd jump on the bikes we'd be gone all day and then my mom realized she wasn't seeing us anymore so she jumped on the back of my dad's bike and uh yeah that's how it was so for eventually I traded in the Sportster on a soft tail uh Heritage Springer which I still have uh, I will continue to have it, hand it down to my daughter. But so for two or three years, my only riding partner, honestly, was my dad, which was rad. Uh, we rebuilt our whole relationship um, around motorcycles. Uh, we weren't, we didn't have the best relationship before that, but having something, a common point of interest to talk about, was let us kind of rebuild that whole relationship. So that's a way cooler story than mine, man. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, that's why I have a tattoo on my inner left uh, wrist that says, uh, that's the bar and shield that says Saved by Motorcycles inside of it, because I was also going through some shit mentally and stuff, and I honestly believe without motorcycles there would be a good chance I, uh, maybe I wouldn't be here, so, yeah. Yeah, that's something that I hear a lot, you know, people with depression moving towards motorcycles accidentally, you know. Yeah. Um, I had kind of a similar experience, you know, it's, it, I was in a dark spot when I started riding, and I think I started riding motorcycles as a way out. You know, I really didn't want to be here anymore. And I thought it'd be a fast way to check out. But I wound up loving it. And instead of crashing and killing myself, I crashed and bought another motorcycle. Yep. Yeah. 
But it's hard to think about anything else when you're on the bike other than being on the bike, and it's hard to be in a bad fucking mood and dwell on the shitty stuff when the world's whizzing by you and smelling delicious and looking fantastic and the adrenaline's pumping. And Yeah, there's not a lot of things in this world that are just pure fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, some people may not be mechanically inclined, but even the little bit that you can do, whether it's you know maintaining the bike, riding the bike, talking to people about motorcycles, every aspect of it has... Has a high level of enjoyment, which is really rare to find in the world. Yeah, uh, like Tobacco just dropped the new, Tobacco Motorwear just dropped the new commercial. It's like, well, I've got you down. Are you staring into the infinite abyss? Like all these like great millennial talking points about how pointless life is. And it's like, <laughs> buy a fucking motorcycle. And like, and it's so true. My favorite part of that is, uh, is when they're like, from the universe that brought you tacos and sex. Yeah, exactly. Now, motorcycles. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking just so good. Or at the end when they're like, if you're, yes, are you suffering from like any types of depression or lulls or blah, blah, blah? Maybe you should or, uh, ask your doctor if a motorcycle is right for you. Or don't, because it's your own fucking opinion. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really well done. I think yeah. that that's one of the best commercials I've seen in a long time. And it, it's kind of cool because they're not pushing their product. They're just pushing riding motorcycles in general. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, yeah, we'll watch it on the break. We'll, Sounds good. Well, well what are we going to do? We'll do RCR, too, but okay. we'll, we'll, it's only like a commercial. So. All right. Yeah, and also, yeah, it's just like, I personally believe for a number of reasons, but I think it would be f- stupid rad if the tiered uh, licensing system was like, all right, when you're 15, you get a riding permit and take the motorcycle safety course. When you're 16, you get your first license. You can only ride a motorcycle under 500 cc's, and then after two years, you can get a bigger bike, but... I think about that. Everybody being exposed to it, uh, normalizing it as a mode of transportation, I think it would also improve uh, driving in general because everybody would be terrified they were about to take out a kid every time they start actually watching for motorcycles and giving them proper space and understanding like how much we can lower congestion, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's a pie-in-the-sky idea, but... I have a feeling uh, there's a good portion of those kids who wouldn't switch back to a car for a very long time in more temperate climates, so... Yeah. I do, and I, I, you're not the first person to bring that up. I mean, you know, we've we mentioned that we've done this out of order, but um, John Gardner, when he was here, he mentioned something very similar to Seth, and we did his interview. He was on the same page. I've been an advocate of the tiered licensing system for a long time. Yeah, it I wish it was attached sense. to speed limits too, though. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, gee, you're you're a Class A license, so that means that you can do 95 on I five instead of 65. Yeah, you know, right. it'd be fucking great. Yeah. But you're only a class D regular license, so you gotta do forty. Right. <laughs> that sounds then, like that sounds terrible unless you're gonna like regulate people to whatever lane. You're like, you can only do forty and you have to be in the slow lane. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And we just need to build new freeways. Plate. We build new freeways for people who don't know how to ride. Color code them. Slash drive. And uh, you have to stay on the idiot freeway. <laughs> and the rest of us who Get know to- how to operate our vehicles can take the Autobahn. <laughs> the the Uberbahn. <laughs> the ultimate. Yes, the Uberbahn. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got your writing history out of the way. You want to chat about what brought about the Oregon run, or do you want to save that for when we're answering the Instagram questions? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess we can start kind of mixing those in. So we did a post uh, leading up to this uh, on the Instagram, uh, ask us anything you want, and people literally ask anything, but I knew that was coming when Jess <laughs> phrased it that way. Uh, Jess is my wife, and she does all of the marketing uh, for us, so she's the one running all of our social accounts, making sure our websites are dialed, etc. Um, uh, so 
Yeah, so we got to ask everything from where do babies come from. That was my favorite. Yeah, right? <laughs> Your mother. The fuck do I know, man? <laughs> Your mother. That's where babies come when from. When two mommies love each other very much, they go to a clinic and look through a Facebook and decide which jizz they would like. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, so one of the questions, of course, is, and it comes up, is how did the run all begin? How did this whole Ride More Talk Less Industries thing really begin and um that it's to pinpoint the exact moment of origin uh, i mean if we're gonna wax nostalgically about this uh is a bit hard to pinpoint um i do know the seeds were first planted in the form of reading an article about the very first um el diablo run that bitwell put on in baja mexico um just the idea of like 25 people on choppers just riding around Mexico in order to eat tacos and drink tequila sounded like the greatest fucking idea I had ever heard of. Um, and then very shortly I read about the gypsy run on the East coast, which was a ride all day to a campsite party all night, ride all day back. Um, also seemed like a really great fucking idea. And then when we moved out West to Portland, I was able to ride my bike the whole way. Um, so spending five, six days alone on the road was fucking amazing. And I remember thinking, like, how do I just do this forever? Um, so that I think those two things together kind of solidified the idea in my head as just like a goof of a gypsy-style run at some point down the road. It would be really great to have an event that literally ride all day, party all night. Then do it again, and then do it again, as long as we possibly could. Uh, just seemed like uh, that's the way maybe life should be. So that was kind of where the whole idea um, came into play. I also noticed after living in Oregon that going to different events, the people I actually spent time with on the road were usually the people I would like actually hang out with afterwards, go for more rides with, etc. And we would get really close because we were actually sharing time on the road as opposed to time at a campsite um, which kind of reinforced that idea of an event that was mostly riding um, and then I guess the way it really came about I had started a small patch company with a friend and ride more talk less was like the first patch idea we had um, it was in the first run. It sold out immediately. Bitwell saw it randomly and like reposted it on Instagram, which just basically meant we sold out in like a week, which was awesome. Um, and so that's kind of where the business started coming into play, Ride More Talk Less Industry. And it, it was, so we had this financial um, entity that could handle doing an event. And then my daughter was born and very much instinctually I wanted to do something more with my life something she could be proud of down the line um, something that would build a stronger community because I, I grew up in suburbs and as much as there's shitty about those as little kids they're amazing because they're safer to like ride your bike and go on adventures and back in the 80s growing up in early 90s it was like whoever's parents were actually around they did the parenting so, like, my parents would both be off at work this day, and we were old enough to stay home by ourselves, but they knew, like, 
uh, my friend's mom across the street was home all day, so she would come out and check on us. And she was more strict than my parents, and my parents were more strict than so-and-so's parents. But whoever parent was, like, the one kind of around for the day watching out for the kids... You know, they were the ones who called the shots and, and got you in trouble or not or whatever. And I remember realizing at the time how much freedom we had as little kids to just be out on our own and outside all summer long. But also, like, learning to negotiate different parenting styles, etc. And I look back on that now and think about, like, and everybody was friends and we'd, you know, they would all come home from work and we'd end up in one garage or another hanging, like they'd hang out and catch up on the day and like while well, we kept playing and stuff and so I, and then my ex my family was a big italian family so we were always getting together so i was always surrounded by communities and i loved that growing up as i got more and more separated from that moving away from family middle and like more middle and nowhere illinois etc uh then it's like your group of friends that keep you alive uh keep you going and so uh communities always played a big part in my life and i've always wanted a good solid community and living in a city sometimes that's harder to do and I knew I wanted that for Sophia I wanted her to know that whichever uncle was around was in charge and maybe Uncle Seth and Uncle Adam are a little bit more lenient than say Uncle Fox or you know um, and so she could negotiate that and, yeah, and she's just gonna know. have to learn how to make good decisions if she's gonna hang out with Uncle Adam because right. Uncle Adam is <laughs> bad shit yeah especially yeah. if Uncle Adam is Uncle Whiskey Adam at the moment but <laughs> so it is Sunday yeah the motorcycle keys are right there so so don't worry about it yeah yeah you, you know how to kick that thing over right yeah, and take it for rip yeah remember helmet and gloves hey so show me where uh, all of Daddy's hidden switches are on the on the Yamaha chopper I want to take it for a ride <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. Uh, so she was born, I wanted to do more, wanted to build a community, and honestly, it was right after um, Dreamroll, I think it was Dreamroll at one or two, and it was the week after, and there was maybe 40 ladies who met up at CC to go for a ride together, and they had talked about it at Dreamroll, and then someone sent out, it, followed up, a couple people followed up and actually sent out an email. And the very next weekend, they had 40 people show up to go for a ride. And it just kind of clicked in my head that if they could get 40 people to show up for a day ride just a week later through a couple of emails, there was probably no real reason we couldn't do an event and get people to show up and pay a ticket price. And I met a few people um, in the industry, and so I knew I could probably, you know, we had the connection with Bitwell, so I knew we could probably get together a few raffle prizes and make it kind of dope. And so I basically told Jess like I think I want to do this and why she said yes I have no idea but she was like yeah try it go for it and so that was really where it all started um so we had to get the word out um we very quickly I very quickly realized because weed went legal uh and the OLCC had it there might be a chance for us to get a weed sponsor legally and be like that would be rad um because it's all about freedom and self-expression. Like, you don't know how to smoke. I don't, I'm not a big weed smoker ever. Um, I don't really smoke weed now at all. Um, but the idea that it was there and available for free and totally okay and destigmatized, you know, uh, really appealed to me. And had a friend who actually worked for a big uh, distillation company that was switching into flour. So they ended up sponsoring first year and riding out and... Um, driving one of the trucks and just handing out joints left and right. And the first year I had a connection with Montucky Cold Snacks through the uh, Patch Company. And 
they came out in force and donated a bunch of beer for us and we ended up putting together a hell of a good raffle and so we had to get the word out and so we went to the one show with the weed company and they were running a promo at the time which you can't legally do anymore but if you signed up for their they were allowed to give out free samples so if you signed up for their mailing list they gave you half a gram of bud and we're sharing a booth with them so word got out at the one show real fucking fast that if you found the this booth they would give you fucking free weed in return for an email address. So the next thing you know, we had 1,500 people coming by our booth to grab weed. Um, and then, of course, while they were there, they were looking at the map and asking questions about, you know, the run, et cetera. And that was February, as always. And by the end of March, we had sold through the initial offering of tickets, 60 tickets, people taking a total fucking wild risk on us, assuming we would know what to do enough. Um, so yeah, that's basically how it all got started. That's awesome. Yeah. So from my perspective, uh, I, I was in a, the complete opposite situation as you, I was around motorcycles from the time that I was born. Um, yeah, I, I started going on motorcycle rallies and going to motorcycle events when I was 12, 13 years old. I've been to Sturgis in the mid nineties, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And I remember, you know, you and I were loosely associated we were friends at cc at the time when you were developing the the first year of the oregon run and i remember sitting down and talking with you about it and when you were in the planning stages and just thinking oh this this guy fucking knows you know he knows what we want to do it, it was the it sounded like the type of thing that i wanted in my life that i had been missing from motorcycles from the very beginning because you, you you go on a regular run and you just you show up at camp and 90% of the people are there to drink, not ride their motorcycles. So you just watch these people just sit there and get shit-faced drunk for four days. And, you know, they roll in, they roll out. And sure, it's fun. You know, it's a party. and it's But that's what it is. You're going to a party. You're not going to a motorcycle event. Right. And you and, can do that at home. <laughs> and then or... the other thing that I noticed was, so I didn't get to go to the first year. Bought a ticket. Uh, you know, the, the Harley-Davidson motorcycle establishment that I worked at told me that they would fire me if I went yep. because it was July. So I didn't get to go on the first year. And then the second year, um, you know, the free beer, the free weed, and the free food the, was the biggest thing that I noticed was in community building that was huge. Because when somebody walked over to where my tent was, they had a joint in their pocket, they had a beer in their hand, and they had a plate of food. They weren't there to do anything except for talk. Like they just wanted to know who I was, you know, what was going on with my bike. Whereas at other events that I go to, if somebody comes wandering into your camp, it's because they want to hit your cooler. You know, you got a fifth of whiskey sitting on the bench. Like they want to take a shot off your bottle and then they do that. And then they wander to the next camp and they do the same thing. They grab a beer and they wander to the next camp and they do the same thing. But I, I, you don't get that feeling on the Oregon run. Like if somebody's coming up to talk to you, it's because they want to talk to you. And you get to know everybody because of that. And I think that's huge. Yeah, I really think by... So the first year was a little bit... Um, a little bit segregated. People, you know, had their camps with their friends. And it was the first year and nobody knew what to expect. And we didn't know what to expect. And so we realized, you know, we changed, I changed some things up for year two. Grabbing people together for a talk at camp. Putting them all in the same space. Uh one campfire not several around you know just trying to get people together which on year two was this beautiful magical moment um 
of seeing that on night two, looking around and being like, dude, everybody already knows everybody. And it was yeah. Yahats, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was on your team. In a cow paddy filled pasture, <laughs> which to me is still one of my favorite spots we have ever camped because with not enough chili because people don't understand firsts for everyone before seconds yeah and be, and that catering company didn't know not to screw us so um but anyways uh to digress yeah so i think it is that combination we provide so much so life at camp is easy because we expect you to put a bunch of miles in and people do and then yeah it's like Sure, someone's going to run out of cigarettes and want to bum a cigarette from you. But then when you run out of cigarettes, someone's going to happily bum a cigarette to you. Like, you know, and I think especially in that second year, everybody, maybe it's a different generation, too, of riders because we're all maybe struggling a little bit more economically than the generation ahead of us did. But it's like if someone's got a pocket full of, you know, mushrooms or a bottle of whiskey they picked up or whatever, and they're having a real good time with it. They're real apt to share it because they want everybody else to have a good time. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the vibe I get is like, <laughs> or wandering around offering pulls off your bottle of Mad Dog. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, I think it is that combination. We provide so much, so people just bring extras, and then are very happy to share those extras till they run out. You yeah, know? it's a great vibe. I I mean I I don't have other events and rallies to compare it to because I've never been on another one. Okay. But I don't, I don't know that I need to. I feel like a lot of those places, uh, those, those other events and things are old school or have an old school vibe or are well established and have been around for years or decades. And I really appreciate the level of involvement that I've been able to come to have with the Oregon run, run to the rock, ride more, talk less because of it being, so young both the people who are running it and the vision that they have and like the events themselves not being super well established right and by no means are jess and i spring chickens or now the rest of the staff and volunteers spring chickens at all i mean even our volunteers you know one of our volunteers this year is well into his 60s you know mike but yeah mike remembers the 60s and he remembers that openness and that like everybody love everybody kind of vibe and picked up on that right away with us you know and like it and it's that vibe we're keeping alive um you know which honestly, I think leads us into another great Instagram question we had. If you don't mind, Adam. No, go ahead, please. Which was, is this ride uh, open to noobs? Which, which is exactly how it was phrased. And um, uh, you remember who that was? Yeah, I think you have the note. Yeah, I, I got the note. Mean. Go ahead and get started on it. I'll pull it up here. Okay, it's right here. Is it? Uh, is it noob friendly? That's from at i Serafina on That's Instagram. Right. Um, so that is a very uh, complicated question it doesn't sound like it as far as the event at camp and the event itself absolutely it is it is friendly to everybody the two rules for oregon run for all of you listening who've heard about it have never been have tried to go who thought about maybe wanting to go etc the two rules you'll find listed out on the website that are the most important are first of all you have to be willing to ride the miles and second, you have to be down to have a good time. Uh, and that means open-minded, non-judgmental. We're all there to get weird in our own ways. Um, and that needs to be, you know, like, if you're cool with that uh, and you're cool with the riding, 
this event is more than open to you and you will find especially now we saw it this year in the best possible way it was like at registration it's like oh i don't recognize your face is this your first run they're like yeah they're like oh here let me show you how to do this this is how registration goes and like find a little group and they'll do this and then they get to camp and they'll be like oh man food's over here let me show you how this works let me show you how that works you know like people like seeing new faces you know and they want they want again it's one of those things like they have such a great time on the run that they want to make sure anybody new has the same great time on the run it's just that's the community we've built yeah i mean year three uh the desert run breakdown run 2018 yeah um your wife jess came up to me was like hey i need to introduce you to this guy he's new he rode before but he just started riding again um, and he doesn't really know anybody. He's not super confident in his skills, et cetera, et cetera. Plethora of excuses why it was important for me to meet this guy. Um, and that is how I met Zeb, who hopefully I'm putting out a, uh, I'd love to have him on here at some point. Yeah. I've got him on about. the schedule. Excellent. Yeah. Um, that's how I met Zeb. And I was more than happy to pull myself back a little bit from my own, style of riding and pace uh, with the guy, uh, David Valdez, that I ride with on a regular basis to bring Zeb into the fold, to support him, to make sure he was on a pace that was comfortable for him with people who knew what they were doing, uh, to, to have him feel welcome and feel comfortable and have a good time. And it's just one of those things. I would happily do that any year for any new rider who hasn't been on the Oregon run before or doesn't have a lot of miles in the seat. Um, I think that this is a fantastically noob friendly event. So I know I'd like to kind of step yeah, in here because my, uh, my role with Oregon run and ride more talk less industries uh, among many hats that I wear planning the routes is a big part of what I do. And I try to make sure that there's one route that, that is just pretty much miles it's not it's not entirely the most technical route it's still going to be fun you're still going to be seeing some great stuff so if you're a new rider and you're looking at the oregon run as being your first like kind of motorcycle event that you're going to dip your toe into i would suggest just pay attention to the maps and just make sure that you can comfortably ride that number of miles a day if you're at the point where you can run through an entire tank of gas and then stop and take a break, you know, and then get back on your bike and burn another, you know, half a tank. You're more than well enough good to to make it from camp to camp, I think, because we have routes that are designed for riders that aren't extremely technical routes. We also have routes that are extremely technical. They're very difficult, and there are a lot of miles. There are a lot of hairpin turns. There's not worn down signs, but there's always a a route for that rider that that's a more comfortable more direct route you so pay attention to your own personal experience how many miles you're comfortable riding in a day and plan on if you're if you can do 300 miles in a day you're more than capable of of making it from camp to camp right yeah and i think that's why it's a complicated question because the at camp you're yeah you're 
good. You're going to have Goldness a fucking blast. Yeah. Although, I will say that if, if Oregon Run is your first introduction to motorcycle events, everything in the world is going to pale in comparison <laughs> to that. So, it's going to kind of ruin you yeah, a not little to, bit. Not to pat ourselves on the back or anything. I mean, it's, but, a, it's but, like, when I, it's like when, to, when I went to the uh, Portland Auto Show years ago, I walked in, first car that was there that was open. Uh, to sit in, I hopped in and I sat down. It was a Jaguar, like an eighty-seven thousand dollar Jaguar. Jaguar, <laughs> uh, and then it's every other every other car that I sat in the rest of that day felt like a total piece of shit. <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's you what that's don't, what you, you know, don't start with the don't you don't start with the Bentleys and the whatever. Yeah, yeah. don't start with the Oregon run. Um, Go to Dirt Quake. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like That's why it's a complicated question because the writing can be... The writing can be difficult. Um, you know, we're trying to take that into account after the breakdown run. I mean, we went way far uh, and we went way hard and then we happened to get... <laughs> we happened to get a nasty fucking heat wave. And it took down far more established riders and made it hard on them and had them dehydrated and a little nervous and panicked, et cetera, at certain points. It's, you know, um, so after that, you know, we tried to learn some lessons, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think Adam's, Adam's advice is very sound. I, you need to, to go to your personal experience if you're not. And basically what I would say is if you think you might be there, uh, and you can catch a nice weekend before tickets go on sale. Pick a Saturday. Uh, pick a round trip of about 300 miles. Be on your bike for six hours. Take the whole day with breaks, etc. And then get up on Sunday and see how 100 miles feel. Yeah. If you have trouble getting through that 100 miles, maybe one more year for Oregon Run. Because that's the thing. Like You look, you're like, oh, I can totally do 300 miles. But then can you do it again and then again? And I think that's where with newer riders, you start to see those issues like day two, day three, it starts getting really hard because I always find that it takes up till about day three for my body to like, it does this weird thing like day one is rad. Maybe I'm sore at the end of the day. Day two, I'm a little bit more sore. Day three, I stop being sore. And then like from there, day four, day five, day six, like I can literally add 200 more miles. My body's so used to just being on the bike physically uh, that it, it stops mattering. Um, there, yeah, there's definitely an endurance aspect. And I mean, I don't want to go too deep. I mean, we've spent a lot of time on this particular mm -hmm. question because it is an important question. It is a really good one. And But, you know, reflecting on our first long rides, the first time I ever took a, a really long ride on a motorcycle, I literally stopped at every single rest area over that 270 mile ride the rest areas were 20 40 miles apart and i spent five minutes at each rest area i had a drink of water i had a cigarette i jumped back on the bike rode to the next rest area and i just i didn't have the endurance built up because you know motorcycles are beyond physically enduring there's a mental endurance that, that comes with it too because you're in this hyper aware state the whole time that you're riding exactly you know so that's a it's a consideration you know take your take your own personal experience into it and you know, just try to put some miles down before you make the, the journey and know where you're at. Yeah, and if you're not there this year, if you take your little test run and you're like, I'm not there this year, run to the rock, man. Which run to the rock is fucking awesome, and you can take two days getting there if you have to. Exactly, and then you can ride as much or as little each day as you want before coming back to camp for the shenanigans. So, which is one of the reasons why we wanted, 
you know, to do the second event in the first place. Newer riders, uh, maybe older riders uh, who can't put down as many miles as they used to, um, you know, etc. So, yeah, but thank, thank you for that question. It was a, a fantastic one. Yeah, that, that's a good one to cover. And it's one that I get asked personally a lot, so a I'm lot. glad that we kind of addressed it. Um, the next question we have, favorite memories for the Ori Gun Run? <laughs> that's a... Man, there's so many. That's a hard one to just kind of put a finger on. It, it all, all started out. Um, it was Breakdown Run 2018. I had made it to Condon, and there was this kid that was lost on his motorcycle. He had this clapped out chopper, chopper with a piece of corrugated fucking oh, roofing yeah. for a fairing. No, beat up fucking dirt bike. It wasn't a chopper. That was just like a. I a, thought that was a sports. No, it was a. Or like a big CC dirt. But yeah, clapped out was definitely the right. Yeah, that thing was beat to shit. And I ran into him and uh, he was all pissed off. And he's like, oh, you know, I can't figure out this stupid map on this fucking. All he gave me was this stupid fucking bandana with with some turn by turn directions on it. And I was like, like, cool, man, you know, hang out here. We're going to get some gas. We're going to get a drink. Then we're going to hit the road. You can follow us. And so we uh, we stopped by Ace Hardware to pick up some earplugs he got frustrated and ripped off without us, and I watched him go the wrong way towards Fossil instead of following us out to uh, to Hefner like we were going to go. And I was like, well, he's going to have a fun ride. That's a that's the long way around, but I know that road, and it's fucking great. And I ran him to him again at camp that night. And, you know, you know we're in the Willowas, you know, gorgeous mountains in the background, classic big red barn with a huge field behind it. It was just this gorgeous landscape, and he came up to me, and he was like, still pissed off. He's like... Oh, I went the wrong way. I got lost. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and he just running me the riot act about how bad the event was because we didn't give him, you know, a proper map or whatever. Side note, uh, so many emails that go out ahead of time with actual Google Maps for you to study, print out, bring along with you. I think that year we even offered the files. You could put them in a GPS yeah. unit. Yeah, no, we, so we offered it. Is, the bandana is souvenir-like. It will give you the basics. Yeah. Please print your maps out if you need maps. Yeah, so... But, you know, we had that discussion. He didn't have any social media accounts. He didn't have any way to do turn-by-turn, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, man, they have gas stations that that have maps all along the way. You know, pick up a map and take a look at it and figure out where you're going before you leave. And I was like, this is is honestly a really fucking great time. And you got lost for four and a half hours. You saw the majority of the state of Oregon. You wound up in camp anyway. There's dinner over there, there's beer over there, and there's 150 people here that went on the same ride you did today. Grab a beer, grab some food, go chat with some people, and find a group to ride with tomorrow. And so then we ran into him the next day, and that motherfucker was having the time of his life. Yeah, like, I remember. I, think, I remember it clicked for him. It's like, I think it was you that looked at him, and, and you told him, um, what, what was the quote? Like, if you're not having a good time, you're fucking doing it wrong? Yeah, if you're not having a good time, you're doing it wrong stop figure out what is happening that's wrong and fix it man there's no you're on motorcycles riding around oregon in good weather you're gonna meet up with a bunch of people for a good party like give me one reason you should not be having a good time so that was good but my favorite part was the next year when he came into that same motherfucker just elated can't wait to get back on his bike can't wait to do it again like he had the best. T- I think he had the oh, yeah. best time out of anybody. Yeah, it's true. Like day one, it was one of those like, all right, I'm gonna keep an eye because he's really upset anytime I would possibly run into him. You know, because as as it's different when you're putting the event on. You know, like 
or like I, I want them to have a good time. So I'm probably going to have like a million requests or complaints or whatever that I have to field when I get to camp, et cetera, et cetera. A little mentally preparing for that. And by the end of it, he was like, I had this all wrong on day one. This is great. And then, yes, this year coming back and seeing him at registration at the Jupiter this year. And he was just like, are you motherfuckers ready? Like, he was just, <laughs> just like super ambassador, massive cheerleader. Like, uh, this event changed my life last year. Like, yeah, that is those kind of moments are just like fuck yes that's why like all the build up all the planning all the stress like in those moments it is beyond worth it um yeah, i feel like that kid out of anybody like that event changed the way he looks at motorcycles for the rest of his life yeah I, yeah and we should definitely have him on he would totally come up and do yeah. this interview brian yeah yeah um we'll skype him in yeah for <laughs> sure um yeah Seth, you want to do? You want to go next? Because I got, I got a bunch. I mean, I know you do, and mine, mine will be the. We'll take a, a peak, a trough, and then a peak again. Your uh, sweaty balls. No, my sweaty balls are not a highlight of any of the runs. <laughs> Although they're the, a highlight the, for me. The, the, the blowout on those jeans that just gave me that flow through air conditioning for oh, the entire weekend. It was beautiful. No, um, my Oregon run highlight, the one that comes immediately to mind, is not. Uh, highlight. Uh, last year, I had the pleasure of speaking to clapped out piece of shit bikes. Uh, I had the pleasure of riding alongside our guest today, Adam Alexi, mm-hmm. on our friends beat to shit like ninety nine oh one. I don't fucking know Sportster. That was barely roadworthy, but made the entire run. But I got to ride every day. From registration to camp night one, camp night two, camp night three with Adam. Waiting and... for me to bleed the brakes, waiting for me to die in the <laughs> shift le- the yeah. shift linkage, waiting every morning. It was like, I know Seth, but I know we got to get going, but there's one more thing I can fix on this bike and make it ride a little better. <laughs> I know so much more about motorcycles after riding with Adam on that bike. Um, that entire weekend, the whole run, the ride part, the party part. Uh, was solid, consistent for what I've come to expect being on Oregon Run. The ride part was phenomenal for me. And I just remember a highlight of that trip was coming in uh, on 34 where it straightens out leading up to I-5 and Adam pulls up right next to me and we're riding bar to bar and we're on comms with each other and I just tell him like, I don't do this with people. I don't trust other riders, no matter how long I've been riding with you, no matter how well I know you, no matter how much I believe in your skill, I don't ride this way with people. It terrifies the shit out of me. And I am so comfortable and beyond calm sitting next to you on this on this stretch of road. Yeah, I remember because he starts that talk off, and so, of course, the first thing I do is throttle off a little bit and start dropping back. He's like, no, 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 man, I was trying to get to the point that, like, that for some reason, this is not bothering me at all. And I was like, oh, well, in that case, throttle back on and pull back yeah. up bar to bar. And we, you know, and it was a wide open, empty road, which is why I felt comfortable doing it. It was a wide fucking lane. You know, and we rode that way as long as we could. And then traffic came, and, you know, you drop off for the safety of everybody. But, uh, yeah, we had, like, a good, like, Probably like five miles. Yeah, thinking about that, bar, thinking about the, the, thinking about that memory, thinking about the the memories, the emo, the the feelings that it evokes. Thinking about that memory, like, 
Uh, I'm not too much of a man to admit I'm getting a little misty, like reminiscing about about those days riding with you on the road. It was fantastic. I had yeah. a similar experience here too. Yeah, Adam and I spent all a year or two together. Yeah, and, and I was going to get to that point. Yeah. About, so I have found myself in the unique position because I'm running camp to camp and then this year even direct routes just trying to make the whole thing function while still being on my bike. I've been in the fortunate position to have a new, a different friend with me uh, that I haven't really had any time to get a lot of riding in with. Somehow ends up being like my road partner for most of the weekend or all of the weekend. So the very first year, um, I was booging with some friends and stuff, but then somehow Steve Dewey, Coleman, and I, we you know fell in on day two, and we stopped at his mom's house, and I got to meet his mom and see the house he grew up in, which is like the coolest hostel ever. Like his dad has built some... Anyways, I digress. But anyways, so we spent that whole day and then like the whole most of the whole next day, and you have that, even without Senna's, like there is that communication by the way you ride, you know? And so... That's one of my favorite memories is every year there's another friend. So then year two was Adam and we had the sentence and we just chatted the whole fucking weekend. And probably my favorite moment of that weekend was fucking making a pass at Adam going, that was fucking shady, dude. No way I'm ever making that pass. And at the time he's sitting on a motor with literally twice the CCs probably as my bike. Yeah. And I was like, no, man, it was wide open. I had it. And he's like, apparently, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but that's the thing. We got to spend three days in the saddle next to each other. And then the next year was Fox and we got two whole days together and, Oh, man. And that was the Hepner to Ukiah road. That was brutal. That is one of the most unbelievable fucking roads in Oregon. If you have never read that. the Hepner Ukiah Highway, as soon as the weather is nice, go out and do it. It is That's, fucking amazing. Is That's that the one with the canyon? So it's labeled as the Blue Mountain Scenic, Scenic Byway. Way. Yeah. And then we ran into Adam uh, at the top of the crest, and it's like you're on basically like on a Mesa Plateau kind of thing, and there's these weird breed of white white cows that use that as like their open range so we like stopped and lined the bikes up across the highway and got some photos and shit uh we had Forrester that yeah forest rangers come us. up just to make sure we're doing all right and we're not broken down or whatever asked us to move the bikes off the lanes fox is totally flirting with like the really attractive uh ranger in she the passenger hot. seat and like yeah it was great um if and you're then, out there in the Blue Mountains, park alongside the way, road and wait for that forest ranger to pop up. She's worth chatting with. That's yeah. what I get for riding with Valdez. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then last year was Seth and I, and it's and it's great because we take these little rides and stuff. But to get every year, that's like I'm like, oh, who am I riding with this year? Like, who am I gonna get two or three days with on the road? Like, which one of my really great friends is like? Are, are we gonna reach this deeper? level of friendship and understanding etc um so that's always one of my favorite things i look forward to mostly on the run um and we've written a lot of great roads and a lot of great memories there but um campsites anytime i can look around and see the whole campsite together as a unified community everybody's laughing and enjoying themselves no matter race religion creed uh sexuality whatever you know what i mean like those are the moments so night two when i'm looking around and i'm like this is the most beautiful dysfunctional family reunion i have ever seen people walking around like fucking vendors at a fucking sports game mushrooms mushrooms who needs mushrooms you know like uh fucking uh that that never happens that's illegal having uh oh it was 
No, he's talking about Cremini's and Portobello's. Yeah, right. right. Uh, people had been foraging. Foraging, my friends. And we got um, Shane Trolls like camp. But yeah, and then we had uh, Chelsea Daskalos come up, and she was like, um, so I'm going to ask this question. I just want to make sure before we do it, it's okay with you. Uh, my friend really wants to take her top off and ride on the back of my Sportster and throw the rest of the joints out for the night, uh, like candy at a parade. And we just wanted to make sure that would be cool with you and not offensive. And Jess was standing right next to me, and I was like, uh, I like titties. And I look at Jess, and Jess is like, I like titties. And we're like, who don't like titties? And shit you not. So we gave him the tub of joints and shit you not. Like 15 minutes later, we hear a bike fire up. And I'm like, wait. Am I really going to see titties that aren't my wife's? And sure enough, you know, there's, <laughs> there's Jamie on the back of the bike. Like, fucking, like, but it's great because she's doing, like, the fucking parade wave. Like, it's a real parade and, like, showering people in fucking joint tubes. And then she even stopped and posed for photographs with people and stuff. And, you know, and but, it, like, it had so come together uh, night three, year three on the breakdown run. I mean, night, no, first, night one, as stressful and crazy as that night was. That site was amazing. You mentioned the the red barn with the Willowas in the background. But we heard some hooting, and I was talking to the owner, and I was like, you have owls? She's like, I have a pair of barn owls, a male and a female. She's like, you're not going to hear them because obviously they're owls and they fly silent, but keep your eye because they hoot for a little while. And then about this time the sun fully breaks the horizon, You'll, if you're paying attention, they'll fly out. And so everything I was doing, I was eyeballing the fucking, like, that opening for the hay at the top. And uh, Fox was with me and doing the same thing. And then all of a sudden we looked back up and dead fucking silent, these giant majestic barn owls just, like, fly out into the night to go hunting. And I look over and I see Fox's head is coming down from the same angle. And we were like that was so cool <laughs> like and then we looked around and realized there's so many people around us and almost nobody else had seen it it was like this beautiful magic like spiritual moment uh night three the people who finally who actually made it to Milano, uh eating the deer dump truck killed but like that feeling doing the awards uh that night that like true feeling of absolute jubilation of holy shit of all the people that started out were the ones who made it all the way through like that feeling of accomplishment you could just feel through the whole camp it's really sad that ma will never know what that felt like <laughs> <laughs> sorry ma um hashtag that's what malino seeing like. ma roll into malino last year was, was one of the most jubilant heartfelt moments Let's uh, take a step back. Hold Let's... on. What real? And then my last favorite memory from last year was all of us as a staff. So last year was the first year we ran with a full staff, and and these beautiful gentlemen and Fox and such weren't just volunteering their time. They had been with us through the whole thing, and taking a moment at sunset to like really just be together and appreciate what we had accomplished for the weekend. Alex and Gabe just wandering up, which is immortalized in the Ro the Roseanne themed uh, take and the. And the video. Um, and Jess is Roseanne Lafferty. <laughs> exactly. And everybody just <laughs> together watching the sunset, taking it in and appreciating it, like coming together, having everybody there. Um, that was, that's magic for me. Um, so. Yeah, the whole run is pretty magical. Let's do some quick fire. Yeah. Four or five words of things that, that fucking really kind of embody the the high times at the run. I'm gonna start it out. I'm gonna say ass out burnouts. 
backflip pawn jumps. Yep. Seth, you got any? Man, I don't operate well under pressure, but all I can think (laughs) of right now is I apologize, Adam, if I'm stealing this from you, but uh, braptisms. Braptisms. Yeah. Yeah. Dirt track at Milano. Ian Kim will not stop until he's got a quick lap time. Love it. Uh, uh, Ten barrel barrel beer box head gaskets. Uh, Jesus. Uh, Camaraderie, community. Nobody gives a fuck what you're into or what you're up to. Don't lend it to me if you don't want me to crash it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, Jesus, I yeah. Five or six words is yeah. It's it's camaraderie. Well, and it's having high times like dope, weed, whatever. Like <laughs> helps. Yeah, but it's campfires and beer and it's motorcycles and it's camping and it's. I don't know, to feel like we're recapturing something. That went missing from the motorcycling community somewhere after the 70s, 80s, early 80s. I feel like we're doing that. I yeah. really do. And bringing it back. But on that note, we've hit our one hour mark. You guys ready for a little bit of a break? Yeah, I could yeah, totally I use a little nicotine here. I got to pee. Right. We're going to step off, take a break, and we'll be back with you in just a moment. <laughs> 